podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, I'm Sai. Welcome to Ace Podcast Nation. We upload three shows a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and we've also got the weekly Andy Campbell Championship show every Wednesday. You can see the video versions at youtube.com slash acepodcastnation and the audio versions at basically all the podcasting networks, Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, far too many to name. Uh, just search Ace Podcast Nation and away we go. So today's guest, uh, I'm not joined by a wrestler, a fighter, a footballer, an actor. I'm joined uh, by a politician. <laughs> Politicians generally do not get many uh, positive comments on my uh, my show, but I do not say this lightly when I say uh, my guest today is one of the good ones. Is he perfect? No, but uh, none of us are. This what do you mean I'm not perfect? Not perfect. <laughs> it's disgraceful, isn't it? He's uh, helped many people and families across Wales, so I am very happy to welcome uh, Welsh Assembly member for the South Wales Central, passionate Cardiff City fan, Mr. Neil McAvoy. Welcome, Neil. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, it's, uh, we got through some, we had a few technical difficulties just now, but uh, we got there eventually, which yeah, is the, yeah. uh, the main thing. So uh, today uh, we're going to talk predominantly about uh, knife crime and then parental alienation, mm-hmm. uh, which will go into sort of mental health as well. Um, so uh, you're a busy guy, so let's get uh, let's not waste any time and uh, get straight into it. Well, if we start with sort of knife crime, um, so I was scrolling through Facebook actually the other the other day as you do, and uh, I came across a video uh, of the visual uh, which you were sort of a part of and filming, and you posted to your page, um, mm. and it was a young boy. I think I, I can't remember how old he was. He can't have been much more than sort of eleven or twelve. Uh, speaking yeah. to a group of people about the sort of impact of knife crime. Mm. Um, and as a father of two teenagers and one not far off, it's, uh, it is something which bothers me. And it's people, yeah. I know people automatically kind of think, oh, it's a London problem. But there's been a lot of knife crime within yeah. Cardiff and Barry. Mm. So over the last, even just over the last couple of weeks, there's been incidents. I just saw today there's someone else has been uh, mugged or like slashed in uh, up in Ely for some money. It's an ongoing problem, mate, isn't it? It is. It is. Um, I think it, it's a bigger problem than, than people realise. Like, like you said, people assume that it's a problem in London only. And no, it, it's it's in Cardiff. People are being killed. Uh, youngsters are, are being threatened with knives. Actually, uh, not only youngsters. I've heard a dreadful story about a mother being attacked with a knife, pushing a pram. Unbelievable, unbelievable. It's uh, so I'm involved with um, um, Put the Knives Down, which is you know, it's a, it's a great initiative to encourage people to you know, give their knives up. We need amnesties, we need investments in, in, um, in youth centers in Cardiff. The, the Labour Council closed basically almost every youth center in the city, and we said that there would be huge problems afterwards. This was about five years ago and now we're seeing the results and uh, you know people are sorry now and saying oh you know we, we've got to invest in youth well it, you know they should never have been cut anyway 
but we need you know we, we've got to do something about it also i had somebody in earlier uh Calla, Calla wales uh, james bourne very interesting conversation with him regarding self-defense regarding uh, first aid how to deal with serious knife attacks and also rehabilitation after having been been attacked and you know, there is a there is also reality we need to confront that knife crime is never going to go away um so therefore self-defense has to be has to be an option yeah definitely and i think it's self-defense in the right way because um i was been speaking about knife crime a couple of times with a couple of fighters which i've had on mm. um and one of the points that uh, lee remedios brought up was that if you bring in an automatic like a higher sentence in for just carrying a knife what you can potentially do is you can drive these sort of young kids who might carry a knife through fear they can end up in a you know like a young offenders institute or a prison where back they could have been you know really good kids but because they've had this fear of whether it's kids they know other kids are carrying knives or there's gangs or whatever it may be and you can kind of they can take a very wrong turn through fear and they mm. might have only been carrying that knife you know out of self-defense so we're trying to educate these kids to to be able to defend themselves in the right way and to make sure that they understand that they should you know don't carry a knife whatever no matter how sort of scared i know it's easy for me to say but if you're a young kid and you're intimidated by groups of kids who are hanging around in your community it's it's about education as much as it is awareness i feel yeah i think pe people need to realize though that often uh, a knife isn't a form of self-defense it's an escalation and you, you can if you can if you if you're weaker you know, they're, they're, yeah, you know, I think a politician recently said about you know, women carrying knives, and it was because they're, they're, you know, they're frightened of being raped and so on. Um, but if if you're physically weaker and you actually pull a knife on somebody, there's there's a pretty good chance that it's going to be used against you. So yeah. you know, it's it's um, it's clear that sometimes it's not a for not a good way to defend yourself. Obviously, if you do if you are prepared to use it, then you, you're talking about murdering somebody really. Um, and in terms of the self defence, you know, a knife is it is very very difficult to defend against, to to to, to, be, to be frank, and uh, it's a real real concern. And what really what really made me think was speaking to the 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 youngsters on on the at the vigil and how much of a concern it was for them, and clearly the parents as well. And we need we need a, a more of a discussion about this. And it was interesting that. There were, you know, black people in in the audience calling for stop and search, in in Cardiff, and saying that look, yeah. we'll deal with the any allegation of harassment after the event. You know, we need to stop people carrying knives, and people need to be searched. Um, it, it's some, something's got to be done, you know. And I think there's no there's no magic bullets. We need a, a serious discussion. It has to be a, a priority for the authorities. There's a good thing next year, there's a there's an election for a police commissioner and I would like to see it the priority of anybody standing for election uh, to be the police commissioner of South Wales. The the knife crime has got to be a priority and funding ways out of knife crime as I've just outlined um, that need that needs to that need the, you know, it's got to be top of the agenda.
Yes, funny enough, it's interesting what you just said there because one of the things which struck me about the the vigil was not just the things that you said and the young boy said, but also members of the of the community stood up and they just spoke. Um, and like you said, they said about the stop and search. They yeah. also said about having some sort of uh, knife amnesty. So obviously, for people who are perhaps not aware of what that would entail, what would a sort of a knife amnesty involve? Well, you just give up your knife if you have a knife. Um, you go and put it in a box you know, outside a police station, maybe in other venues. But the last time there was a, the last time there was a, uh, an amnesty, they, I think they collected three thousand knives. Phenomenal, phenomenal amounts. And uh, that has to be, that option has to be given. But I think we also need to, to, to a, a, a realization that um, we're not going to stamp it out completely. So then there's the other angle of, of people being taught self-defense. Then. Yeah, I think that's. I think that I'm. I mean, I'm all for that. Um, and especially for sort of kids and teenagers being able to and, and women girls being able to defend themselves in the right way and there's luckily there's a lot of you know sort of established places to go and do that um, some of which are, are not too pricey which is good because when I was younger things like martial arts and stuff were very expensive to do which meant that it ruled out certain parts of the community mm. from doing it um, but the last thing, with, with the self-defense angle, I think people need to recognize just how difficult it is to defend yourself from a knife. You know, it's uh, if somebody wants to stab you and they're really going for you, then it's extremely difficult for that not to happen. And there's a very small percentage of a chance of uh, not being seriously hurt. It's a very small percentage. But, hey, even if it's 1%, then it's, it's, worth, it's worth doing. Absolutely, yeah. And I think... The other aspect of it, um, which I think affects everywhere, not just Cardiff and London, is the you know obviously the police cuts that have been made. Um, you said about the youth clubs, the police cuts mm. which have been made over the last couple of years. Like to yeah. me, as someone who's not involved in you know any sort of politics or anything like that, mm. it seems to me like common sense that if you reduce the amount of officers yeah. on the street or the officers investigating mm. crime, yeah. crime is going to rise. It seems like. You know, lots of police stations have closed in South Wales. In particular, 101 is pretty difficult to get through to sometimes. It takes, you know, it takes a long time to get through. That's uh, people's experience. So therefore, probably crime rates, reported crime is going down. But the reality is that real crime probably isn't. And um, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of democracy, obviously, being in, in politics. Um, there's an opportunity to put this on the agenda for the police commissioner elections next year. Yeah, I think that's a big thing. And hopefully, you know, politicians in South Wales and mm. London everywhere will will yeah. address it in the way that it needs to be addressed. Uh, uh, tell us, to, sorry uh, to cut, cut you off there. What was interesting at, at the vigil for me as well was the, the number of angry, angry young people and angry parents, but not your usual suspects who, they were criticising the BBC. And they were criticising Radio 1 in particular, uh, or the offspin of Radio 1, and the music that they're playing glorifying knife crime. Now, these weren't stuck-up, pompous, conservative conservative MPs or pompous politicians. These were genuine working-class people dealing with a problem at the sharp end, some of whom have lost loved ones. And it's pretty outrageous if 
I, I'm not sure because I, I don't really listen to to radio when an offshoots. But if they are playing that kind of music, which is glorifying knife crime, it's pretty outrageous because you can guarantee it's being played by somebody who's probably close to being a millionaire. To be frank, if they're you know if they're being employed by the BBC to to broadcast, um, being paid a lot of money anyway, and we need some social responsibility from from the BBC, I would say as well, and that that came through loud and clear. You know, there was a lot of anger uh, in, and again, as I said, that you know these were people who were DJs, they were into music, they weren't your stereotypical stuck-up, out-of-touch uh, politicians hanging and flogging them. These were these were decent people dealing with this problem at the sharp end. Yeah, that's interesting to me, see, because I, as I mentioned, I'm a father of three boys, mm. and um, when I was about my oldest boy's fourteen age, I was listening to various music i like all sorts of music and i'm a big fan of of eminem for instance now i don't have a problem with my oldest boy listening to eminem i've told him this i prefer him to listen to the clean versions and i prefer him not to listen to it around the boys my two boys were younger than him Mm. however the music which you're referring to i believe is called drill rap Mm. uh, which uh, emanated predominantly from youtube and then it's gone a bit more mainstream Mm. Uh, with some sort of bigger artists like Stormzy and people like that who've obviously spotted talent with some of these, mm. you know, a lot of them are kids or like young guys. They've seen the talent but perhaps aren't always aware of the, the content or I don't know if they're aware or they don't perhaps care so much because the, the, the talent is there perhaps. But they do play it on Radio 1 Extra a lot. Like Radio 1 Extra, that was the one, yeah. All night. Yeah. And like I say, I don't listen to it, um, but it's also something which I don't allow my kids to listen to. And mm. I'm in no way, uh, you know, the type of parent who will stop my kids from listening to music yeah. because it's got swearing in or something, because I yeah. trust them to make the right decision to use the appropriate language in the right mm. situations. And if they don't, then I want to educate them. Look, everybody swears, but it's about doing it in yeah. a way which is access, you know, acceptable. Mm. Um, but that's you know that's just me. So I'm sure some people won't agree with that and wouldn't want their kids to listen to Eminem or something like that. But mm. it's interesting that you brought that up because I've recently had that discussion mm. uh, about drill rap because this, the a lot of the stuff which I came across on YouTube was literally about knife crime and killing people. And you know this is not like a, like a Hollywood rapper type thing. If you think of like Eminem these are kids from London or Birmingham or Manchester wherever it may be and the things that they're rapping about is generally stuff they've done which has affected real families and real communities yeah. so for that to yeah. then end up on a BBC radio uh, radio one extra is nothing short of disgraceful yeah well that, that came across loud and clear and um, I, I was shocked to hear it really from again you know people who are into the music scene into their music DJs and um, yeah, it's quite outrageous, really. It is. Yeah. So obviously, I'm I'm aware that we're fairly limited for, for a time. So I do want to talk to you about uh, parental alienation, mm-hmm. uh, as yeah. I mentioned to you off air just before we started recording, or when we were trying to set up the recording. I um, <laughs> since I've been doing the mental health uh, podcasts, I have had quite a lot of people message me. Some people friends, some people I've had no interaction with, never met. And they've told me about their struggles and I've talked to a few of them because I leave all my messages open because I want to encourage that, like talking with mental health. And if people mm-hmm. are struggling, I want them to 
you know, send me a message and I'll speak to them. Yeah. Uh, and a few of them have been they're suffering yeah. uh, sort of depression or suicidal thoughts because they've been denied access to their kids. Yes. Uh, this God, yeah. one in particular was just completely out of the blue. He was served with divorce papers and hasn't seen his child for two years. Does still to this day does not know why. Um, and he's had great trouble because he doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know where to go to get advice. He yeah. hasn't got the money to go and you know pay for legal advice to go through the courts. Um, and interestingly, I saw earlier that you launched, uh, you did a podcast on parental uh, parental yeah. alienation. I just haven't had a chance yeah. to listen to it, but I am going to yeah. have a listen to that. Well, I, I'm involved with. Um, to be honest, this kind of stuff has got me into trouble a lot politically. Probably explains why one of the reasons why one of the probably real reasons why I got thrown out applied was because of my support for these issues and me trying to hold account to accounts organisations who facilitate parental alienation and they deal with clients who will stop the other parents seeing a child and children and it's wrong and some of these parents have court orders so they've already been through the system and the enormous amount of distress caused to first of all the children because they're, they're the important things in this because as adults adults can deal with things difficult though it is but when you when you get onto the adults and be it mum or be it dad actually because this is just this is it's not a gender issue uh, i have many i have had many distressed mothers in this very office sat at this table uh pouring their hearts out very distressed dads as well grandmothers and going through what is effectively in reality a post-traumatic stress disorder and then they display symptoms uh, of that they're treated very badly by some schools they're treated very badly by some doctors there is a huge culture of false allegations and i'm really concerned about the smacking bill because um some children it's drummed into them day in day out day in day out by one parent that they must say this to the authorities and sometimes they then will denounce one parent because that's the way the the alienation works and there's no truth in it there's there's no truth in it and then you know the child may later recant and, and take it back well that didn't happen and um but now it's criminal or now the the, the welsh government the labor government want to make it criminal um then it's a new it's a completely different ball game and what i find really outrageous is that people can get away with this they can cause enormous distress to children it's actually a form of child abuse um experts i, I said this, i said this in 2011 and i got suspended from plaid cymru for saying it but the reality is now that there are, there are experts in the field classifying parental alienation as a form of child abuse and in, in terms of the you know police commissioner elections next year it should also be classified clearly as a form of domestic abuse as well it's a complete abuse of power you you coercively control a child uh, as a my as a majority time care parent uh and no, nothing's done about it the, the courts and the system rewards the alienator they reward the abuser and well i one of the reasons that I'm in politics is because I want to put an end to this scourge. It's a scourge. It's a plague. And I'm involved in a parental alienation task group with uh, MPs in Westminster, a member of the um, 
legislature in the north of Ireland um, and we're taking forward this agenda because things have to change and there are enormous amounts of people who consider suicide, have suicidal thoughts, unsuccessfully try to kill themselves and unfortunately end up successfully killing themselves. And there is a stigma because then it gets, if people are, admit to suffering mental health issues as a result of separation from children that they dearly love and the children dearly love them, then it, it can be exploited in court. And there's a whole system which um, discriminates against the parent obeying the law. It's outrageous. And it, it, I call it the family breakdown industry. It, they make millions. I mean, this, in the UK, this is worth billions, billions of pounds. So if all these people are making so much money out of it, there's not much of an incentive to change it. No, and uh, unfortunately that is such a common kind of sentence, not just for this, but for a lot of things, is mm. that because there's so much money made, yeah. there's not an incentive to change it. Um, yeah. So give, give obviously- us a, con- a concrete example, which some people won't like hearing, because, because of these issues, I'm called a misogynist. Oh, he's a misogynist. Oh, he, he hates women. No, actually, I hate injustice. Probably the only thing I hate in my life is injustice. And when you have a parent who's been assessed by the authorities, has been a good parent, and then the other parent, completely against the court order, decides that, that um, they're going to stop contact with, uh, with dad or with mother, um, act unlawfully, there's no way. There's no way that those parents who are acting unlawfully should be supported by charities who are publicly funded. It's another outrage. And people don't want to hear this because there are charities out there who do support um, some women who uh, are victims of domestic abuse. All domestic abuse is horrible and needs to be dealt with seriously. But we also need to recognise that in cases of parental alienation, the alienator will invent allegations. It's a fact. And just by saying this incontrovertible fact, uh, it gets me into a bit of trouble when people call me, uh, as I said, a misogynist and so on and so forth. Um, and what is also un- underestimated is the, the effect of, let's just, let's say, uh, we'll, take, we'll take the scenario of a dad, because I want to answer this issue of uh, misogyny and uh, the things I, I've said about uh, female charities in, in the past. You've got a, a woman meets dad uh, who's been alienated from children, okay? The enormous amount of distress that that woman then has to go through in being in a relationship with an alienated parent is, inc- I mean, it's something to behold. And there are the tremendous supportive uh, women out there that support their you know, their, their male partners in, in those kind of circumstances. And nobody, when, when people say that, always, you know, accuse me of the, the misogyny aspect of it, which is a lie, by the way, that it's a vile lie, nobody ever considers those women in the situation dealing with the alienation. Nobody thinks about the sisters of dad. Nobody thinks about the mothers of dad, or indeed the grandfathers. And if you put the shoe on the other foot, um, there's not really a charity publicly funded that deals with parental alienation because I said I've had mums in here. Unfortunately, you know, I, I, you know, as a man, I find it objectionable that there are fathers out there that stop mothers seeing their children. 
but the, I think the, the reality is they look at the family court system, see how sexist it is and how badly they're going to be treated by the system, and they get the retaliation in first. And it's so damaging for children, so damaging. And it's an ad adverse childhood experience, and all the stats show that children succeed more when two loving parents in their lives. Adults don't have to get on, but they, they should keep whatever, di whatever disagreement they have under wraps and just look after the children. And as I said, now it, it really hurts me as, as, a, as a man, actually, that I have now a lot more women in, in here, a lot more mothers suffering alienation from, from, uh, from dads and also same-sex relationships. You know, it, it's there as well. And it's, you know, it's like drink driving years ago. It was acceptable. People did it. And also, if you go back to the 60s, 70s, beating up your wife was, was almost, I'm not saying it was acceptable, but it was sort of accepted in some cultures. And it's not acceptable. It's not acceptable at all. With drink driving, domestic abuse, we, we realize that now. People realize that now. But with parental alienation, there's a long way to go. And if you are alienating a child from a loving parent, you should be a pariah. You should be a pariah. But you're not. And what, what annoys me in the assembly is listening to some politicians who are effectively trying to criminalise decent parents that go to court simply to see their children. And because um, you know, there's a whole move from the Ministry of Justice to um, classify uh, trying to go to court to see children get court orders as a, as a form of abuse so you, or continued abuse through the courts. It's outrageous because the abuse is in stopping the contact. If we had, if we had a law where two children, um, or sorry, the children see both parents, and that was it written in law, that any concerns, any real concerns, any dangers to the children, obviously that doesn't happen. Okay, yeah. say that at the outset. But if there are no concerns, then both parents should see the children. It's good for the children. It's good for the parents, and it would save billions of pounds in the UK every year. And do you know what? <laughs> One challenge I never give to is the NSPCC. It's a bit of a misnomer. You know, I think it's the National Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Children. Those guys oppose shared parenting. Bizarre. I, I, won't, I won't give it a pen. It's bizarre, honestly. I don't, I don't understand it. One of the uh, one of the people who I've been speaking to recently, um, they're kind of so the first thing that people say is, "Oh, there must be a reason." If they've been denied access, yeah, they yeah. can just go to family court. There must be a reason. Mm. But the three or four people I've been in contact with have all had access stopped. The the mm. mother has kind of said, "Oh, I'm scared for my safety," or whatever it may be. Mm. Not the kids, because they know that that will be mm. kind of investigated and it might too, you yeah. know that might fall apart but to say oh i'm in i'm in fear of my safety so to me that said well if the children are not in danger because this i've got to say from you know like you just said if there's any reason why the parents shouldn't see the child yeah. child for the child's safety or the you know anything and towards then obviously that's yeah. different what we're talking about is where the relationship breaks down mm. and the child is used yeah. as a weapon. We children children weaponized. Yeah. And the thing is, where maybe one parent may feel threatened, absolutely. Be that the, the you know whatever gender may feel threatened. And you may feel threatened of false allegations which could be made. 
you know, I, I always advise uh, people to record, to be honest, because um, if you attend, if you have a handover with uh, a child and then an allegation is made to the police that you've shouted, you've been aggressive, you've done, if you have a recording, that, that, that's disproven. But some people frown on that and say, oh, you shouldn't do that. But actually, if there's nothing to hide, what's the problem? Yeah. Um, but but I think you know that where people genuinely do feel threatened, there's a there's a way of managing that, and there, there are yeah. solutions to the to these things. But um, it, it's, it's it's it causes an enormous damage to to the fabric of of our society. So the the reoccurring question I put out a little thing on Facebook and Twitter mm. yesterday saying I was going to speak to you, and if anyone has any kind of questions yeah. to send in. And the, the three or four, five people I've spoken to all had the same question. They don't know where to go. They want access to their children, but they don't know what to do now because yeah. they've had no luck doing the kind of family court and things because particularly in two of the cases, the, 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 the mother's word has been taken as gospel and they've kind of got nowhere to, to, to turn from there. So what would your advice be to them? You, 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 you've got to go back to courts. Um, both Parents Matter is a brilliant charity. Um, gets hardly any public funding, uh, but they do great work. They're, they're worth seeing. Just Google um, Both Parents Matter Cymru, if you live in Wales. Um, I'd contact your local councillor, you know, county councillor. Contact your, if you live in Wales, contact your assembly member if you don't feel you're getting fair treatment from uh, children's services. The main thing that I would say, because w w once you go through the process, it may take a long time, but most people get contact again with their children. And sometimes you feel there's no light at the end of the tunnel. And that's where yeah. the suicidal feelings come in. That's where people do consider su su suicide and unfortunately take their own lives. And uh, but what I say to people out there listening to this or watching this, there is always light at the end of the tunnel. And if you continue having your mind, having your mind, a vision of where you want to be with your children in a nice place, it could be at the fun fair, it could be at a family celebration. Just hold that memory if you have that memory. Or if you haven't got the memory, create the memory that you want that in the future. And avoid conflicts. Do not respond to awful text messages. Do not respond to provocation. Do not email aggressive things. Put the children at the forefront of everything. Focus on the future you want with them, and that should be your only concern. Because I, I do get a bit, it's natural really, you know, I think a lot of people go through it and they, they, they criticise the former partner and it's all their fault. Actually, no, it's, there's usually somewhere along the line two people at fault. I think at the beginning, then when, when the alienator kicks in, though, that's maybe a bit of a different story because it can be frustrating having seeing people go through family courts with their cases that the alienator and their continued uh, hostility is is not really recognized and there's a huge lack of training amongst uh, social workers amongst CAFCAS workers CAFCAS is the organization which looks at um, cases and decides who the children should spend time with and how much time that it's a Welsh government agency and they need training they really do Children's Commission in Wales, to be honest, I got into a bit of trouble recently because I think I called it a, 
was it a what well, I didn't I might have said the word joke, I can't remember, but a very unfunny joke because she was trying to say that parental alienation didn't exist. And that's just a complete you know, it's quite embarrassing because it's been recognised in law since nineteen eighty three. So for, for somebody in twenty eighteen, I think it was, to say that oh, you know, it doesn't really exist and try to deny its existence is unreal. I'm going to when the term kicks off properly now. I'm going to try and get a meeting with the the health minister as well, because the World Health Organization now classify parental alienation as an illness, and I'm I'm really glad that it's classified by the World Health Organization um, because it's something we need to stop. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, it's really upsetting. I got to be honest. When I read like these, you know, these emails or these messages from these people. Because yeah. I put myself in their position, and I think, yeah. Jesus, I don't know how I would be able to cope. I don't think I could cope. Yeah, but, you know, some of them have not seen their kids for over a year. Yeah, honestly, God, my office is inundated. I mean, it's got to the point now where we, you know, if you don't live in my region, I've got to turn you away. Because back before, I was always trying to give advice to people, and I'd pick the phone. The demand out there is is so vast now that if you don't live in either Cardiff, the Vale of Glamorgan, or on the current staff, I really can't deal with it I, because we just there are so many cases. Yeah. I've had to employ. Uh, I employed somebody this year on a temporary basis dealing with these cases just to deal only with these cases. I employ a social worker um, to go through these kind of cases as well. She has no further capacity. She's rammed with work. I, I also early, earlier in the year on a temporary basis employed another social worker. A very experienced person because uh, the demand is just—I mean—it's vast, you know. Um, so you know, if people want to, so I was criticised the other week for um, spending the most money on wages in the assembly amongst the all the AMs. Uh, the reason for that is because I'm independent now. My the amount of money which used to go centrally to Ply Cymru for them to employ people now comes directly to me. So thankfully, I'm able to employ those people. And that's why the, the bill is high. Um, also, what I, what, I did, what I did at the very beginning as well with my staff is put them up a point at the earliest opportunity because most AMs used to wait a year and then it's automatic. But what I do, what I, what I did, I'm, ba I'm banging in at six months. They work hard and I want them to get the reward as soon as possible. So that's another explanation of the, the high salaries as well. Um, and I want to use the budget. Um, so the end of the year, if we've got money left over, I'm looking for people to work for a few weeks for me, and um, I want to use every penny for the, for the public benefit. But to be just because there was some confusion actually, because some, some people were slagging me off for it. Uh, it doesn't come to me; it's not my money. I just employ people with it, you know. Yeah, but do you know, from like from a person who's completely out of the situation and not involved, I'd rather see politicians employing people to do important work and spending their money on that. Yeah. Like you've just mentioned, yeah. like on cases like this, then the money go to the, the politician or to, you know, you yeah. hear all sorts of stories about. Yeah, I wrote a complaint actually because there were, there were two, um, there were two politicians criticizing me for using, um, for paying people. Um, and I, I found that quite outrageous. And if anyone, do you know what a freedom of information request is? I'm just looking because somebody's trying to get in the office, but it's, it's okay. Um, freedom of information request. Well, I'd love it if maybe 
somebody out there did a freedom information request of my casework loads. Oh, it's called the caseworker system. How many I have, right, which is well over a thousand, and how many cases those politicians deal with. So I tell you what, they won't have over a thousand cases like we've got. I tell you, you know, what I mean, it's uh, it's. If I'm honest with you, I, I think because I'm a regional assembly member, I've got the whole of Cardiff. The whole of Ron the Kennedy Staff and the whole and the Vale of Glamorgan. We should have more resource because the I'm conscious that we're not able to do what we would like to do in terms of um in terms of employing people in terms of dealing with the cases. It's you know, it's a huge part of the, the, the role, to be honest. Yeah, I can only imagine those uh, those case files and and, and, and thing is for those people as well, I can imagine that it's quite upsetting for some of them to you know to read some of the cases and the effect it's having on people yeah it is yeah it's very it's not easy it it, it, it isn't easy um i've been doing casework since jesus 1998 21 years um and you sort of get uh insulated i suppose from it because you, you, you deal with so many but the, the parent alienation cases are, are very difficult and because you, you're dealing with us absolute distress absolute distress where people feel they have nowhere to go and it's uh it's, you know, it's tough honestly yeah i can only so imagine much, so much, you know, if anyone comes in into its office they'll always make a cup of tea or always offer a cup of tea um i make it sometimes <laughs> we, mm-hmm. we don't have a hierarchical uh system in the office you know we all we all pick pitch in and people who come in the office know what a great job my staff do and i'm really proud of my staff they they're brilliant and uh, they go above and beyond I'm really grateful and lucky to have them work for me. Indeed, I um, I always point people your way just for you know just general someone who's trying to work differently to other politicians. Uh, yeah, so. I, I was well. My slogan was not politics as usual, and we we we, we stuck to that. It's got me in trouble. People don't like it. I say people, those in authority, those yeah. people are not used to being questioned. How dare you ask me ask that of me? I said the first minister was behaving very arrogantly. So the presiding officer cut my microphone off. What? You know, <laughs> come on. You know, he was behaving arrogantly, but they don't want to be told that. I want to name drop my staff. So I've, got, I've got Matthew Ford, does a brilliant job for me. He's my senior advisor. Mark Evans, my caseworker, does tremendous work for me. Bethan Phillips, big city fan, she does a podcast for View from the Ninian. She does tremendous work here. Jackie Hurst as well. Big shout out to Jackie. She's does fantastic work, you know. Um, really, you know, it's um, it's great to have him. Indeed. Thank you for finding the time, mate, to speak to me. I do really appreciate it because I know, like, you're a very busy guy, and uh, you know, we could talk about these subjects for yeah. hours on end. Hey, and uh, before you go, give us a prediction what? for tomorrow, Cardiff City. Uh, the way it's going, not very good. <laughs> I think oh, uh, I got a feeling that they might draw again. I'll tell but, you. What. Uh, Two, one, City tomorrow. You, you heard of your first. Yeah, I hope so. That'd be a great result. Tomorrow, really tonight, what am I talking? I'm a, here's me saying tomorrow. I got my jersey on, man. Look. Yeah. There we go. There we go. I'm gonna watch in the pub later. I'm trying to. My wife hates football, um, but what I've done tonight, I promised her food out. Okay, if she'll come and watch a football with me in the pub. But um, I know she probably won't. But you know what? Well, I just you know trying to trying to. Educator into what a great game football is. Football is the, I'll tell you what, it's the third, in my opinion, third biggest expression of popular culture in the history of humanity. 
everyone sings, everyone dances, almost everyone plays football. And we've got a baby on the way, just say this now, I'll, I'll shut up after this. Um, and I'm just getting sort of, um, when, when, when my little one's born, I wanted to just do what he wants, be his own person, just live its own life. You know, it's going to be a, a boy, uh, except one thing. Got to be a Cardiff City fan. Absolutely. <laughs> Got to be so, I'm, uh, I'm talking to them. I'm talking to it already. Like through the you know you know belly, I'm, yeah. I'm, the bluebirds chant. So when he comes out, you'll know what I'm, you, you should be used to hearing bluebirds. You're gonna take him with the earmuffs when he's a baby to football. <laughs> well, my dad took me when I was four, yeah. um, and I, I just it just oh, agent agent Austin was I four, four or five, five. When I was five. Agent Alston scored two goals, and it was uh, amazing. And uh, it just the, the bug bit me. And my daughter's a City fan, Chris Shantz. You know, uh, she probably won't be watching this, but she's a big City fan. So shout out to Chris Shantz, and uh, hopefully the, the next one will be as well. <laughs> yeah, that's got to be. Um, so again, cheers for joining me, Neil. Uh, guys, okay. you can check out us at facebook.com/slash/acecastnation. YouTube.com slash Ace Podcast Nation for all the videos, Twitter at Acecast underscore Nation and audio, all the usual podcast in places. And uh, we'll see you next time for the next episode. Cheers, Neil. Giacomo. Come on, listen. Podcast Network.